Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me today for, uh, for you know, us getting assimilated or something is uh, the only one that's left standing, actually, is is my, my XO, my number one, Lieutenant Commander Eric. How you doing, bud? I'll always be the last one standing, right? Oh, man, look at you, all man. fierce. I'll be... I'll be the I am legend, right? Oh man! The Will Smith, the last one. <laughs> or the, the Highlander, the last one. There can be only one. There can only be one. And be, always be me. Okay. So wait, does that make me Sean Connery then? Or you could be the Kurgan, right? Man, so like someone's just gonna like slay me with a sword? Is that what you're saying? Uh, maybe. Gosh, man. Man, we're we're off to a great start on this episode. Like, dang. Great start. Great start, man. Well, David can't join us uh, for for this little voyage, so um, yeah, he got he got assimilated. But you know, with if everything goes well, we'll be able to get all like the nanoprobes and all the hardware off of him at some point and get him, you know, back in tip top shape. Um, you know, like in one episode or half of an episode, it'll be fine. So, um, how's your weekend been, man? Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah? Yeah. Do anything fun, crazy, math, uh, anything like that? <laughs> let's see. Um, we went for a hike yesterday Ooh. at one of the parks here in San Antonio. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's about it. Okay. Went to Korean barbecue place last night. Did you get bulgogi? Yeah, we did, yeah. Oh, I love bulgogi. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, I get the experience. Hey, you cook your food by yourself, but if I'm cooking my food myself, that means it should cost less, right? I mean... Right? I, I mean, sure. <laughs> I'm doing the work I'm doing the work here. Man. So, okay, okay, you had bulgogi. So, what were your sides? I got to know this. What did you have with your bulgogi? Our sides? Yeah, what did you have for some sides, man? We, I mean, obviously we had white rice. Okay. We had kimchi. Ooh. Um. Something that was like yellow, and it was like, it, it, I don't know what it was. It was wasn't good. <laughs> um. Okay. I don't know the names of everything. Okay. I don't remember. There was a so. I can remember like having bulgogi for the very first time in the mid to late 90s uh, and when I was growing up in my childhood home we had um, a neighbor a couple doors down and they'd invite us over every now and again and they'd make like traditional bulgogi for us and it was so good so good and I went the longest time without having bulgogi uh, there was a I don't know how many times if any really that you've been to the U of M Ann Arbor campus at all but there's this um, there's this Korean restaurant that wasn't too far from um, the the ROTC um, headquarters there on Central Campus, basically. I think it was Central Campus, and uh, I would go there at almost every chance I had to to get me some bulgogi, and I'd usually get you know like white rice, like you said, or some kind of rice, whatever they were having. Um, bean sprouts, love me some bean sprouts. Okay. Yeah. Um, kimchi, man, that's like a hit or miss kind of thing. Like, 
you either get it like like pickled basically like the really old like almost fermented type of stuff where you get it fresh like i can't stand like super sour kimchi like i have to have like more of the fresh stuff where like it's not gonna burn my my uh, my nose hairs off or something i mean i thought it was pretty good i'd never had it before but i thought it was pretty good okay okay did it taste sour at all no okay then you probably had fresh kimchi then so so this uh this weekend we um what do we do um I, I'm, I'm okay. So you were at the shindig here a few months ago at the house, and mm-hmm. there were at least one or two folks that were like, "Chase, you need to get a sound bar." I don't know if you remember that conversation at all, or overheard yeah. that. Okay. And uh, I'm happy to report that we finally got us a sound bar, and I just I, I got it all hooked up, and I love it. I love it so much. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have a soundbar. I've had one for a long time. Uh, people tell me I play it way too loud, and they can hear it, like, way far away. And I'm like, I don't think it's that loud. I think it's just right. Mm. Pumping up the bass. Boom. Boom. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Oh, sweet. Well, I guess that's that, man. Um, we'll, uh... <clears throat> We'll be, uh, I guess we'll have to just kind of move right along and, and we can get cracking with talking talking some Trek. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, everyone. So um, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're going into spoilerific territory. So this is your red alert. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 3, Assimilation. This episode was directed by none other than Leah Thompson, otherwise known as Marty McFly's mom. Mm-hmm. Lorraine. Lorraine. Lorraine Baines. There we go. Yeah, man, like, we're talking about going back in time. Who better than to direct an episode about going back in time than the time-traveling mama? Herself, good old Leah. Oh, she wasn't time traveling herself, but you know, you get it. Leah Thompson, man, got to direct this episode of Star Trek: Guard, which I thought was pretty cool. So. Yeah, I did. I had, I had no idea that she was a director or did any type of directing. Mm-hmm. But I saw that at the beginning, it was like directed by Leah Thompson. I, like, I mean, I'm sure there are people that have the same names out there, but is this one thinking? Of? Like, yes. Yes, yes, it, it is. is. <laughs> Man, Eric, I was talking to you about about this um, pre-show. We know time travel is involved. And um, going even into this, okay, uh, we, we, we pick up right where we left off, essentially, when we do, with um, the, the magistrate and some other like security force type people. Um, they're on the alternate La Serena, um, trying to, you know, decimate them, essentially, like, want to obliterate them. And um, after a little bit of, like, talking and standing people down, like, they get obliterated. Like, we, we phase them and we just make them disintegrate. 
It was a I, very quick, oh, how the ta- turntables turn, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, how the tables have turned. It was like very it was like very quick. Here, oh, we've got our phasers pointed at our our heroes and let's just do a little bit of ninja stuff and now we've got the phasers on them. Right? That, it was like, very quick and very easy. Can can we do Okay. So, have you noticed this like any movie, TV show like the bad guy just has to somehow like pontificate or something for like at least a minute before they are like, I'm going to kill you. And this is how, <laughs> and like, they, like they just tell like the, the, their captors, like how much of an idiot they are or, or, you know, questioning them for their motives or whatever it is. And it's like, bro, you got him. Just, you know, like, like freaking take Scott from like um, from the Austin Powers movie. Like, come on, let's just do it. Let's just shoot him like right now. It's fine. I'll go get the gun, type of thing, and <laughs> it'll be great. We'll have it done right now. And like the magistrate could have just like gone boom, like gotten rid of Picard, Rafi, all of them right then and there, and the show would have been over with, and that would have been great television, right? But seriously, like, why? Like, where where's the playbook, Eric? You're you're you like host like film club meetup things. Like, where where did this originate from? Where's like the playbook that says that the bad guy has to pontificate and explain their dastardly plan for a minute? It comes from comic books, right? I mean, maybe I mean, because you have to have most of the time our heroes don't know the full extent of the evil doers' plan, so. He, in order for us, because we're typically following the hero in his journey, right? In order for us to understand the whole plan, it has to be explained to us because we're not typically following the story mm-hmm. from the bad guy's perspective. Mm-hmm. So we need we need a monologue. Like every great thing needs a monologue, right? You gotta have yeah. the monologue. Gotta let the actor do something, even if. Even if it serves no purpose, you got to give the actor his 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 moment, his Queen Mab moment. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess. So, or or it comes from James Bond, one of the two. Comic probably both. James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with both. Let's go with both. Why not? So yeah, they're quickly dispatched, and Elnor's bleeding out. And then we have some nightmare fuel of the the Borg Queen crawling and going after Jurati and slingshotting around the sun and yay. Yeah. Like yeah. like please tell like that like that that the Borg Queen like crawling like that I I've had that nightmare before. I've yeah, had it was that a little nightmare. creepy, right? Oh, 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 crap. <laughs> yes. Like, can she assimilate me in this, in this, in her state, or no? I would think so. I mean, I'm still going to run away from her. <laughs> right. Hardcore, hardcore nightmare fuel right there. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Yeah, but she, like, basically, like, lifts herself up to hook herself in. And takes control of the ship, and at one point Rios is like, "Admiral, uh, I'm not in control any no, longer. I am not in control of the ship." 
Yeah. Hello. Uh huh. And then she does her calculations to slingshot us around the sun through some solar flare. And yep. And she she takes out a um, uh, I think it's a Nova class and a Steamrunner class uh, starship. Yeah, it's just one shot to both of them. Boom. Boom. Explode, explode. Not seven shots. One shot. No. Two shots, right? Two, Two shots. shots. One apiece. One apiece, yeah. All right, and then, of course, we just get right into it. So, I mean, like, it wasn't 14 minutes. I think I was like, I think it was like, it was like what? Eight. Like Yeah, I was like right about eight minutes. So Which is still a little long, but, you know. And, uh, anyway. Yay, we we go back in time, and this is yeah. where I want to I want to talk about this. We were, we were, I was kind of starting to ask you about this. I'm like, now nah, let's talk about it on the show. So basically, what's happening next is like we're we're starting to like we're we're entering the space. We're we're in 21st century Earth, and we got to like land the thing, and you know from there we're going to talk about a plan and you know how we're going to make everything happen, and then boom. So we know that we're 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 in LA, the LA area, right, in 21st century Earth, 2024. And I was asking you how long you think we're going to actually be in this timeline. And you're like, I think you were saying something like, oh, we're gonna be there all the way up to like episode nine or ten, right? Yeah, I think I don't think we're coming back to at least the very end of episode nine. Okay, and what and why do you say that? I think that's the I don't know. I just do. I think that's <laughs> what this season what this season has set us up for is you know to spend this time in the past, and it's not just about finding the Watcher, but it's about cor- like correcting whatever or making sure whatever change doesn't happen. Okay. I'm. I mean. I want to believe that we're looking at like an episode seven ish return. Um, and what I was starting to say to you before I stopped myself was <laughs> I'm just of the opinion that it would be too easy, like with a Q kind of scenario, to just spend the whole time in in 21st century rather than taking like an all good things type of perspective and you know having to hit it from both sides basically you know like yeah we have to fix something here but we also have to fix something and attend to something here um, so that it can propel us into whatever whatever you know the 25th century early 25th century has in store for us I don't I don't know what I'm saying but that's like that's kind of like what's percolating in my head at this point. Okay. So. I mean, I mean I'm not a theory crafter, right? I've heard you say that before. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we'll, we we'll get back when we get back. Sure. Oh, but it's so much fun. Come on, Eric, join us. Join yeah. us. But anyway, we were slingshotted back and basically it blows out all the power on the ship. And basically, the Borg Queen is using all of the power from the ship. She's draining it all to mm-hmm. restore herself because mm-hmm. it took a it, it took a toll on her, and so mm-hmm. she needs to regenerate in a sense. Mm-hmm. 
and so all of the rest of the ship's functions have basically shut down and we have to decide hey pull the plug on the board queen let we need power on this ship but Picard's like no we can't do that we need her because she's the one who's going to help us get back to our timeline so we can't pull the plug on her well he didn't even say that he said we need her because he knows about or she knows about where this person is that we need to meet right but like that was the thing i was thinking of like no picard it's not just the watcher it's not just this person that we got to find somewhere in this timeline whether it's la or not like she's the only way that we're going to be able to like slingshot around the sun again and get back to the 25th century for crying out loud so, anyway, yeah. So it's like, well, so so he's like saying, stop, 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 stop. And while that's all happening, Rafi's having a moment downstairs with Elnor. And, man, this was gut-wrenching. Like, just with, with that, that scene between the two of them. Like, I'm stronger than you think. Hey, get in my pocket there's something that gives me comfort I want it and she's like looking reading like this this Romulan language on this this pendant and not looking at him and he just dies so effectively we've saved the Borg Queen and and sacrificed his life and Rafi is just beside herself like and even asks at one point like please tell me that if we fix the timeline that Elnor is going to be back and Jurati's like, I don't know if we're in a, like a temporal causality loop or not. Mm-hmm. And and she doesn't want to hear it at all. At all. So. Yeah, yeah, but like, okay, Rafi has this moment where losing Elnor really hurts her. But my question is this. I don't remember Rafi and Elnor being super close in season one. Now, granted, we've got two years of time in between season one and two, where presumably she took him under his wing because, you know, when they were going, getting their assignments to the ships in episode one, like, she was, he, or Elmer was assigned to the same ship that, ship that Rafi was on. So presumably their relationship was all built off screen. And so while this is a heartbreaking moment here, we're losing Elnor. In a sense, it doesn't ring as strong as it maybe should. Because we didn't really see that closeness, that relationship built between Rafi and Elnor. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a fair point. And it's like, not I know real- there's a book coming out that this summer that's about Rafi and, and Elnor. Yeah, I was I was about to say that like with um, not just like with the um, the audio drama like the audio drama there's not much mentioned even about Elnor because like the focus is is um, her and, and Seven in in the audio drama and Second Self which is supposed to become it was supposed to come out in May uh, but now it's being pushed um, until gosh what is that September now now it's now it has a September release which is just driving me nuts by the way. Um, so hopefully, yeah, like it kind of fleshes out some of that, like year and a half or two that we're kind of missing, or you know, two years, some how many years that we're actually missing of like that character development. But 
I mean, just like just from what we see, we saw like in the first episode, right? Where like she's back at Starfleet, you know, with with the academy, and Eleanor's a cadet. And oh, by the way, we're going to join the Excelsior together, so I can kind of you know keep an eye out for him and stuff like that. I mean, like I guess that kind of hints at it for this season, but like what did make them so darn close? Or at least what drew her so close to Elnor to get her to respond in the way in which she did. And if it's just like what happened on Capelius, you know, and, and any of that stuff, I mean, like, I mean, I guess, I guess that's something, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think what we saw on screen in season one is enough to create this close of a bond between them. I don't either. I don't either. So, from here, this is where we kind of have like, like our, our, our marching orders of what we need to do. So we're going to have like Team A, they're going to go try and do a thing, try and figure some stuff out in the field. So that's going to be Seven, it's going to be Rafi and Rios. And we're going to have uh, Picard and Girardi. They're going to hang back and they're going to try and figure out some stuff with the Borg Queen and try and get that all fixed, get the ship powered up and ready to rock and roll again. And um, Rafi is just like so hyper-focused, ready to get this crap over with so we can fix time. Like to heck with like Picard and what's happening and with the, the Confederation. Like she's all about Elnor at this point. No, there, yeah, there were two, there were two, two moments here that I think we need to highlight. Picard is talking about how, you know, you know, we have to fix the timeline. We have to find this watcher. And, uh, and then Gerardi says, um, and, and Gerardi, she's not Gerardi, uh, Rafi. She is, you know, she's really, really upset. Um, and Picard's like, I know how you're feeling. And she's like, I don't think you do. Cause what I'm feeling right now is a distinct, lack of leadership or disappointment in leadership right now like you're not being the leader that we needed you to be and I don't know just to hear her say that was really striking in that moment right because like he chose the Borg Queen over Elnor do you well let me ask you this do you think that was the right decision I mean I think I think sometimes in command you have to make the decision that you know the mission you know you don't want to say people are expendable but sometimes you know you have to say people are expendable right in in any mission you know you have to prepare for casualties but you know the show must go on in a certain sense right the mission must go on sometimes we you know, we have to make those sacrifices, and that's the bur- part of the burden of command. Hundred percent agree, and uh, I mean, it goes back to um, what was it like the, the 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 bridge officers test that Deanna even did that we've like we've referenced that I can't tell you how many times. Like, mm-hmm. you, like sometimes you gotta you you gotta do you have to make that play in order to, for for the sake of the mission. And, I mean, did, 
I mean, Picard, I mean, Picard, I think, had even more buy-in or more, more of a deeper relationship with Elnor than Rafi did for, for, like, just from what we've seen on screen, from, like, the information we have. I mean, like, he's known Elnor since he was a little boy with the Quat Malat, you know, like, being raised by, like, the nuns on, like, that random refugee planet that they were on. And, like, to completely dismiss him and, like, whatever thoughts and feelings he had about Elnor's death, I'm like, I mean, that's just as striking, I think, um, even though it wasn't outright addressed. I don't know what you think about that. No, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Like, Picard is saying, I'm not letting my emotions get in the way of this mission. Uh, because, like, I do have a relationship with Elnor, too, but he, uh, he also, I think, understands in that moment that he doesn't need to say that because I think that would just make things worse mm-hmm. with Rafi. Like, mm-hmm. if he says, like, I, I care about Elnor, too, and I lost him, but the mission, you know, and I'm feeling it, I'm just not letting it show, I, I think, you know, that, that'll make things worse in that situation. So I think keeping that to himself was also, like, part of the burden of command. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said there was there was another point that you wanted to highlight. Yeah, um, we're getting our marching orders, and we're we're going off, and we're getting we're getting we're getting ready to go on our mission. And Seven comes up to Rafi, and she's like, "Hey, you just lost Eleanor here. Like, can we talk about this?" And she's like, "All I want to do is fix the timeline. I don't want to talk about how it makes me feel." <laughs> and I'm like. Who was that directed toward? Like, was that directed towards Seven, or was that like some sort of meta moment that is maybe directed towards us, the viewers, or to maybe to somebody named Michelle Paradise? Was that like a comment that like maybe she needs to hear? <laughs> like, all I want to do is do my job, go fix this timeline, and get us back to where we're from. I don't want to talk about how it makes me feel. <laughs> like, because that's like all Discovery does is how do we feel? How, how are our feelings about the mission, right? No, right. let's not let's right. do the mission. Let's talk about how we feel. Even in, in our crunch timeline, there's always time to stop and talk about how we feel. That's right. But this is like, I don't want to talk about how I feel about it. I just want to do my job. That's right. Man, I was yeah. like, who, who is that? Like, who is the intended audience for that line? <laughs> so, so in the in the multiple viewings that I, I did with with this episode, you know, I was just pointing out like the Picard thing, like with Elnor, but I was just thinking, like, you know, Rafi had, or the thing I was thinking through through the the viewings were, you know, Rafi has this motherly type of role uh, thoughts, feelings towards Elnor, but if anyone's going to be on her side and to truly know what's up and to be able to approach like any form of understanding of how things might be for her, it's seven because of Echeb and what we and what we saw in season one of this show. Like with eyeball being ripped out tortured and her having to be the one to give him a mercy killing 
Yeah, that's a good point. So, I'm not saying that I need to see some on, some you know on air therapy. I do that enough during during the week for crying out loud, with my own work when I'm adulting. But like, maybe there's something there for like when she's actually ready to talk about it. Like, Seven can truly empathize with her, and through all that. So, yeah. Anyway. Um. Um. But I also one thing I want to talk about. Like, we. You know, I was saying, did did we see enough on screen to understand the relationship between Eleanor and Rafi? Probably not. But a lot of this episode is also built around the relationship between Seven and Rafi. Right? And, like, we saw, like, nothing on screen between the two of them last season. There's just the little moment of them holding hands right at the end. And then that was it. But other than they had, like, no interaction. And now, like, this, so much of this episode is built around, hey, there's some, I don't know if animosity is the right word, but there's definitely some issues going on between the two of them mm-hmm. and their relationship. And I know we have this audio drama to listen to, which I haven't listened to yet. I haven't listened to your to your recap of it. Um, I should probably go <gasps> back and do that. <laughs> I know. Um, it's all good. But, like... Yeah, so again, all of the relationship building that is that needs to be there, we haven't mm-hmm. actually seen that on screen. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen all listen to this off-screen stuff, then again, I don't the relationship, it's not it's not as easy to understand as it should be. Mm-hmm. Which like that's the thing. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because I I can appreciate seeing this stuff on screen after having experienced that 90-minute adventure from the audio drama. Like, the audio drama is not perfect, but it does kind of help flesh some things out and uh, is kind of a primer in a way for for this season. It's a big stretch, I think. Uh, but but it, de- it definitely helps. Um, so... Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of have, we definitely have like three story points um, at this point that with like where we're about to like split th- some things. Um, two of them are, are meant to be as part of like one, but it doesn't go that way. So we have, we have the away team, right? Like we said, we have uh, Rios, we have Rafi, and we have seven. I almost did that in alphabetical order on accident. Um, should have been. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they. So they're they're going to get beamed out to this um, part of LA, this big giant tower, uh, or at least that's where they're going to head to. Um, but you know, the approximation of it's kind of off, and that's fine. And. Uh, two of them find each other, right? Like, Seven and Rafi find each other, but Rios gets really hurt. Um, he gets a freaking concussion, dislocates his finger, um, does all the things that Gerardi tells him not to do. So we have we have two different stories going on in L.A. We have the Rafi Seven, we have the, the, the Rios, and then back on the ship, we have Picard and Gerardi. Now, Eric, how do you want to tackle this? You want to talk about 
one at a time, or do you want to try and weave it? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's just talk about one of them at a time. Okay, pick one. Okay, <laughs> let's just keep let's just keep with the Rafi Rafi and seven because sure. that's kind of what we're talking about here. Sure. So so Rafi shows up and. Uh, the f- very first thing that happens to her is somebody wants to mug her. Mm-hmm. She's like walking through almost like a tent city, homeless shelter, homeless, not homeless shelter, but like, you know, homeless camp outside. And someone wants to rob her. And she's like, uh, I don't got time for this. And she like does her karate move, whatever, and takes him down. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you know, I don't need a weapon, so I'll just break this guy's gun, right? I mean, maybe having a weapon might be a good idea. I don't know. You never know, right? We couldn't bring our phasers. Maybe it might. We so I don't know. Maybe it might have been the should have kept the weapon. And then like she mugs him, right? She's like, ah, I'm gonna take all the money you have in your wallet. <laughs> yeah, how the turntables turn, right? Yeah, right. And uh, and seven come uh, just shows up and and kind of gives her a stern talking to there for a second. Yeah, but when seven first materializes from her transport, she's right next to like a little girl. She's like, "Are you a superhero? Can you keep a secret?" <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> it's like yeah, I, and then she's like, "Yeah, I tracked your com badge, and here I am." That yeah, that that was pretty neat. And they're like, all right, now we're heading to this big, tall building. And uh, I, I kind of enjoyed this, okay? So they they go up top, and <laughs> they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to pinpoint not just where Rios is, but like a handful of other things, too. And there's a security officer that shows up, <laughs> and they're, they're like trying to think quick on their feet. See me and me and my, my my girlfriend here, my fiance, whatever. You know, we first came up here when we first started dating, and and your colleague, uh, tall, kind of round guy, Kevin, Kevin. That's him, Kevin. He let us, and like we just wanted to come back, and um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want him to be more fun than you, do you? <laughs> Kevin is not more fun than me. <laughs> Just make, make it quick. Just make it quick. But, like, Seven is like, we wanted to capture uh, an image. I mean, take a picture. Yes, with our with our recording device, our phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, call it a picture. Just call it a picture. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you notice um, both last episode and this one, the tricorder that they're using is a Samsung phone? I, I did not notice that, like, specifically, but, like, I did see someone, somewhere where it was pointed out. Okay, yeah, like, I think it's a, the Samsung, like, Z Flip or something like that. Um, it, like, came out, like, <sighs> had to have been at least a year ago, because that's when they, they filmed the dang thing. But, um, but yeah, like, they're, they're doing that, and... Uh, they're noticing like wildfires and making comments about how, um, like the, there's like these fires, like the water's being poisoned and um, society going downhill. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, that's just California, though. And um, anyway, sorry, 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 Nat, sorry, Mel, all the <laughs> all my friends in California. I'm sorry. 
And I'm like, you're just, you're just talking about California right now. I mean, come on. Like, what about like Texas or or anywhere else? <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, look, the wildfires are burning, but like, that yeah. wildfires happen. I mean, we we have had some wildfires here in Texas recently. I don't know if you've heard about that. I have not. Yeah, we've been. There have been some wildfires that have been been uh, been kicking up like crazy. One one thing I did want to back backtrack to. Um, and it's it's kind of maybe like one or two minor details, perhaps. But the mugging that happened, you see a yellow sign um, right there in the tent city, and it says Sanctuary District uh, something or another. So I did enjoy that like minor little tie-in to uh, to the whole past tense episode or past tense story from Deep Space Nine. Um, since this is supposed to be taking place, or this is in the same year as um, as past tense. Okay. Um, and then, of course, like on the big old office building, you see the Europa, mm-hmm. um, and it said "too boldly go," which I just had a good laugh at whenever I saw that. So, <sighs> all right. So, so we're we're up on the tower. We're trying to take pictures. And um, and we we just see like this flickering, right? We see this flickering on on the tricorder, and Seven's like, "Is that Morse?" No, but Type- even before even before that, okay, she she finds like the, she finds a location for the Watcher. It's somewhere near MacArthur Park. Sure. So, uh, where am I going with this? Um, and then and then we see the Rafi the is that morse code yeah yeah is that morse code yeah there we go um which if i'm not mistaken that that's kind of the extent of of the rafi and seven stuff isn't it yeah that's it yep okay uh i felt like a lot of the time was really filled up with rios um Mm -hmm. among others yeah in the storyline i'm not too thrilled with The, the rios thing yeah okay well do you want to come to that last then? No, let's do it now because we're out and about. We'll go back to the ship. <laughs> we're out and about. We're going for a stroll. Yeah, we're out and about, right? <laughs> like for some reason, they all get transferred to different locations, which I don't know if that's ever fully explained. Why, if we leave the ship transporting in the same place and we're going to the same location, why we end up in three different places? Ooh, I know the answer to this. Okay. The plot demands it. Yeah, I figured. Um, <laughs> and so Rios materializes in midair, not on the ground for some reason again, and he hits a fire escape and then smashes his head on the ground. And, you know, he's in bad shape. We see the close-up of blood, like, leaking out of his head. Uh, I mean, I know this is Star Trek, you know, it's like TV... But shouldn't he be dead? Would I mean, that kind can, of fall? You can survive a fall. It wasn't that far of a fall. I mean, it looked like the dude snapped his neck in the episode for crying out loud. It it looked like it hurt big time. A like lot. He, like he should be like maybe if they had you know twenty fourth twenty fourth twenty fifth century medical technology, he could be up and about. But 
quicker, but I don't think he should be out of like a hospital bed at all for a long time after this. That is correct, good sir. Uh, I mean, he should be in much like like I don't know some broken ribs maybe, right? A, a broken arm or something, right? Not just like a concussion and some dislocated fingers. Mm-hmm. That's all that happened to him. Right. If anything, it should be like some bruised ribs for sure. Right, yeah. You know? All right, so yeah, he falls. He falls, and he's he's a hot mess. And next thing we know, he's being hauled into this, like, minute clinic type of thing. Um, you know, like, hey, I found this dude. No ID, no nothing. You can take care of him, right? Cool. See you later. And... He drops his little his little com badge and his little boy starts picking it up and is very intrigued by it. And we find out he's got a concussion. That's where we find out we also he also has um, dislocated fingers and wondering where he is. He's like, I'm gonna get the heck out of here. Okay, you think you oh. can just get up and walk out of here? Then go. See ya. All right, I'm I'm going later. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When the room spins and you don't, that means you have a concussion. <laughs> so, um, so he's like kind of warming up to the doctor who makes this dumb joke of, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. You're what? <laughs> ah, that joke never works. That joke never works. No, no, no. Um, so she's got to take care of the dislocated finger but not going to tell him that she's going to take care of the dislocated finger. Tell me a story of a happy moment. Yeah, I kind of liked his story here. I did, He's too. like, my mother, she worked at an academy that trained pilots. <laughs> and then I, I broke into the simulator one day and uh, set off some alarms, and admirals and captains were coming out there because I broke some high score, and I could see the, the look on my mother's face. And that's like where like the <laughs> I felt that by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like distract you while I while I do this thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I was I really did dig the story. I I, re- I was really digging it. And uh, I thought that was I think probably the highlight of the Rio story for the most part. Um, in the in this particular episode, and um, she like walks out, and you know, a little while later, we see him kind of just wandering around. Now he can wander around, by the way. Now yeah. he can walk, um, and he finds like this little boy who is playing like with his communicator, his com badge, and like the little I was like, hey, that's mine. Like I need that back. He's like, hey, I found Finders it. Finders keepers. That's right. Playground rules, baby. Finders keepers, losers weepers, man. Like, well, get back. I can't. Otherwise, you know, that'd be like stealing or whatever. And stealing is wrong. Stealing is as wrong. As you just said. It's only logical. <laughs> That's what he's on. Vulcan kid? <laughs> it's like, do you know what a Vulcan is? They're damned annoying, just like you. <laughs> Uh, where, where, are your, where are your parents, kid? They're dead. They're dead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
It's just it's just me and my mom. It's just me and my mom. Are those cookies? Oh, real peanut butter. I love that. Real At peanut first, butter. I think I think it was like he he wasn't playing it up on his first bite. Like I think his first bite, it was like real, like a genuine reaction, like real peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And then after mm-hmm. that, I think he was playing it up. But I think that first moment when he bought, he was like, oh, my God, this is what real peanut butter tastes like. <laughs> Which is just like wild to even think about. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Real peanut butter. And just when he's about to get his com badge back. Doc hey, Mom do- shows yep. up. Yep. Dr. Mom. Approved by Doctor Mom. Do you remember those commercials? No. It was like um, like they were like Tylenol commercials, like back when we were like kids and teenagers. It was like um. Anyway, okay, never mind. Just never mind. People in listener land maybe might remember the whole Doctor Mom saying like with Tylenol uh, from like the '90s and early 2000s. I, I'm assuming. Anyway. I'm just gonna hold on to this to make sure you don't steal anything else. Like, what is so hard about just giving the dude his property? And Come then on now. Then he then he says, "Fair enough, right?" But seriously, like, what's so hard about just giving the dude his like freaking yeah, brooch? I know, just give it to him. Just give him his pin, man. Anyway. Because the plot demands. That yes, the he... plot demands it, Eric. We know. We know. We know. So. A little, a little, while, a little bit goes on, and then we basically have a raid that takes place. Yeah, like. This is your favorite well, part of the episode, isn't it? I mean, this is straight up propaganda. Just like the last season of Orange Is the New Black was straight up propaganda with their whole immigration storyline, and I hate it. I hate all of it. Big bad evil immigration people. They just they're going to raid a hospital cuz they're going to find illegals there and all they care about is deporting people even if those people need medical care. It's like no, nothing about that is realistic from my perspective. I just I don't know. I think it's just straight up propaganda. And I I hate it. I hate that that is the way this storyline ends there there it's 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 lazy writing and it's, it's just i don't like it at all do you do you, eric um I, I know i've mentioned it before but um do you or have you ever watched um law and order svu oh yeah yeah absolutely i've watched svu love okay SVU. i love freaking svu awesome. um so i just started um season 20 so I'm almost caught up I still have a few more seasons to go but I, so I'm on season 20 and I just got to the episode where um, there is a um, uh, an immigrant mother and daughter you might re- remember this story and um, the mother and daughter were separated at the border uh, with the mother with them trying to like seek asylum or whatever and they were kept from each other they were like kind of ripped from each other and um, at one point, like, the daughter was, like, put um, put away at, like, a military base, basically, like, out of sight, out of mind. And um, freaking Apollo, um, yeah, Apollo Creed 
um, had to come in to like run some papers up to get like the asylum order like pushed through quicker. Do you remember the story? No, I haven't seen a lot of the recent seasons. Oh shoot! Okay, spoilers. But anyway, like that, having seen that, just seen that episode, and see, I think it was season twenty. Um, and this story at the same time, like man, like I have just impeccable timing when it comes to this immigration stuff. I swear. Yay, immigration storytelling on television. But, yeah, it just seemed like a little, just a little over the top um, with with uh, the Homeland Security ICE type stuff um, that I know has been like a rather popular talking point uh, with both sides of the political aisle in, in American politics. So, yeah. <laughs> well, We'll just keep going. And, and Rios is just trying to, one, he's trying to help out the old man, get the heck out of Dodge, but he also he's also trying to help out the doctor that's been so kind to him, get the heck out of things, like get away from all this stuff. But of course, they see the bandage on his fingers and they, ha- they decide to arrest him and take him in with what's left on the table, the comm badge. Yeah, and it's going off. Seven's like, uh, Rios. Picard is. Picard's like oh, Rios. Picard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rios, answer, answer, bud. What's up? And that's where the story ends. But of course, we haven't touched any of the Picard or Rios stuff at all. Or sorry, the Picard and Girati stuff at all. Um, any? I mean, I know we've kind of been like kind of blowing through this, but like anything about like the Rios storyline that you feel like we need to highlight anymore? No, I just, I mean, oh, there. I mean, at the end, the one line, oh. You don't have any ID or papers? Well, we're we're taking you in because you must be illegal. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it didn't sit well with me. Sure. Okay. So let's let's talk about the assimilation of it all, right? Like what this the let's let's talk about this, the name of this episode. Um, so we had we had the the away team go off. And uh, and do their thing. Like they're they're trying to do some reconnaissance. They're trying to collect some things to get ready for phase two, whatever phase two is going to end up being. But the thing we got to worry about is powering up the ship and fixing the board queen so that we can get the heck out of Dodge when we need to get the heck out of Dodge. So Girardi and Picard stay behind, and they are talking about plugging them someone getting plugged into the board queen directly and doing like a patch like a workaround to try and not only fix the ship and restore power to the ship but to also kind of restore the queen while disconnecting her from the ship essentially and um Drati just has this bright idea of like hey how about I go into her mind and poke around a little bit. That just seems like the dumbest thing ever, in my yeah, but opinion. Also, like, I never, I don't understand, like, how, it, how are they gonna hook somebody up to the Borg Queen? Like, there are no implants in either of these two people. Like, how do you, like, like last season, Seven plugged herself into the Borg, the Borg Cube because she's still got implants in her. Like, 
I, I, I just, I guess I just don't understand how they're doing this and how they are connecting, like, to the Borg Queen's mind. They just, like, put something in, in Gerardi's neck, but it's like, how does that link you to it when you have no cybernetic Borg implants in your body? I, I don't know. This was a little odd for me. That was something that I was trying to understand, too. Like, like I, there, were, there were a couple of things that were coming to mind. Like, I was thinking of the show Fringe, right? I was thinking of that. I love Fringe. I was thinking of um, Stargate SG-1. Um, I think those are the, the two main shows I was thinking of when this was happening. Like, okay, like, Jack O'Neill, Carter, all them, okay, they had, like, this weird thing in their temple that they could be plugged into and, like, have, like, some VR-type thing going on with with the 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 Gould, the Gould, the Gould, whatever, Gould, Gould. I was going with a Hammond on that one. Um, and then, like, with Fringe, like, they had, like, the, um, like, the tanks, and then, like, Walter had, like, a bunch of random wires and stuff like that that could trigger, monitor, uh, subconscious-type things. But, like, that was kind of explained. And unless I missed something in the two times that I watched this episode, it wasn't explicitly clear because, like, she says, like, oh, you can just unplug me. And, yeah, there was, like, this little port on her neck. Okay, where that port come from? Like, is that something that's, like, Federation standard? In like the twenty fourth century, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, was she a is she a former Borg herself? We just don't know about it. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we know she's like a cyberneticist, cyberneticist, right? So maybe she was like, maybe she had something built into her neck to be able to tell like the synths, like prototype synths, like, hey, this is what you need to do, man. But, re- re- whatever. Okay, whatever. So, Gerardi finally convinces Picard. You know, after having, like, a... Like, this is what, what needs to happen. And after all of Picard's protests, it finally happens. And it was, just like, some weird stuff, man. Like, weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, at one point, the Borg Queen is talking through Gerardi... And Gerardi is talking through the Borg Queen. I and it was I just like almost like some stream of consciousness flow where the Borg Queen is tapping into like Gerardi's emotions, like anger and then sadness. I so this is what I half expected to happen, and I don't know if you were going down this path like I was or not, Eric. Part of me half expected there to be a switcheroo where the Borg Queen's consciousness and Gerardi's consciousness switch places. Where Gerardi is trapped as the Borg Queen and the Borg Queen takes over the body of Gerardi. Did that enter your mind at all? I mean, maybe briefly, but... I don't know. Maybe briefly, but probably not really. Especially, So, like, the part that, like, it really got me questioning it especially the second time was where i think picard was like who's talking or who's who who's in control or 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 something like that you know what i'm talking about and they're just going back like me 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 
And like the voice modulation changed a little bit as well. Like we had Gerardi sounding kind of Borgish and we had the Queen sounding kind of Gerardi-ish. Mm-hmm. So like that's that's where I was kind of like, did that just happen? Like that'd be kind of fascinating with a big old question mark. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of it than it actually is. But that's that's kind of like where I went with that. Uh, with that, so goes in, pokes around, like got eight percent type of thing, like and like getting she's gaining more and more power. The board queen is, and dry's trying to poke around and get get certain bits of information um, as well. Unplugged, Gerardi's yeah, drained. At one point, Picard's just like, "I'm unplugging this. I, yeah, this is <coughs> going <on> long enough. <coughs> Let's just pull the plug." Right, and. Through all that, the the Borg Queen comes back online and starts taunting Picard. Like, you're going to fail, and you're going to give me what I want type you're of not, thing. You're not going to turn me off because you have this... You're so hopeful. You cling to hope, right? But you need me, and I know the... I, you know... And so every moment you delay, I get more powerful, and my probability of taking over the ship increases. So let's just get on with the threat of where you try to unplug me. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very in line with the Borg overconfidence. That's right. So just just give me your ship right now. That, that's a good starting point for now. Let's do it. And um, after after a little while, Gerardi starts to come to. And boy, is that a, a fun conversation. Um, she's like, we don't, what is that? What, what is the information that you have exactly that we need? She's like, the location and identity of the watcher. Oh, yeah? What is it? And the board queen does her like processing 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 and then she's got a blank look (laughs) (laughs) and uh and Gerardi I love this I love this so much Gerardi says something to, to the effect of computer dictate file uh dictate information found in file shit I stole from the Borg queen (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> oh, like, and it's, this is this is how you use foul language in Star Trek, right? You don't drop right. random f bombs that don't need to be there, that's but you right. play it for like humor, like this, in a way of like, oh, you think you're so great? Well, look at all the shit I just stole from you. <laughs> Oh man, man, and that that was good. That was good. Um, and the Borg, the, the Borg Queen says something very interesting. Also, kind of up there with like approaching nightmare fuel type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, um, you have done something. Um, I'm, very I'm dangerous. Very dangerous, and. Um, what else was it? Dang it. I think she just says you've done something very dangerous. 
what you've no, here we go. What you've just done here is more difficult and vastly more dangerous than you realize. Okay. And what is that? You've impressed me. Like, oh, 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 crap. <laughs> yeah, that that is a little nightmare feel. Like, you've impressed me. Like, now now she's got a target. she got a bullseye right right smack dab at Gerardi. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going into the room with you anymore. Nope. <laughs> nope. So, and that's pretty much it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So we're, I mean, like we've we've kind of talked about some of the stuff out of order, but like the episode does end with with Rios and the Doctor being taken away, and this this particular scene, like the whole "you've impressed me" thing, happened just before the concluding um, moments with the Doctor and Rios. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Like this was like a kind of like quick ish episode for the most part quickish without a whole lot going on i mean truly right um so do you have anything any other remarks that you've just been itching to to throw in eric no no okay uh well with that let's um let's go ahead and roll right into the evaluation piece of uh, of this episode so um I really don't think the Delta really applies. I still don't think it applies to this particular show. So let's just go right into the number uh, number rating. On, I mean, you um, could kind of give a command a little bit, like what we talked about earlier when uh, you know Rafi is saying how disappointed she is in command, but Picard made the right decision. So you could kind of give some kind of command thing there. But, yeah, the others is really not what's going on show yeah yep so yeah let's let's roll right into um to the show so or into the 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 rating for it so um i think last week um eric gave this um an eight so how would you rate it this week man yeah this in this day and age of serialized storytelling, mm-hmm. people often expect something important to happen, like really important to happen in every episode. And when it doesn't, when your storyline isn't advanced all that much, people will use the F word to describe your episode. And that F word I'm describing is filler. Mm. And it's almost like that is, like, the worst criticism that you can throw at an episode these days in this era of serialized television. Like, filler, 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 filler! Mm. It's like, that's, like, the worst criticism you can throw at a show. And I don't want to say this episode is pure filler, because it's a it's a move our chess pieces around the board type episode, right? It's we're we're placing our pieces where they need to be for whatever is going to happen. But yeah, not a lot happened, right? It was a it was a I don't know how long it was, but it it was your it wasn't a long episode. It was in your forty seven minutes, I think. Okay, so it was right in right around your normal range. Sure. Um, but yeah, not a lot happened. There wasn't any, like, big revelation, 
right? Not we didn't learn anything super important. No big plot points happened. So people will toss around that word filler. Um, maybe it is. I'm not. I'm not willing to go just and call it filler, like full on filler. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that impressive of an episode. What did I give last week? A seven and a half. You said. No, an eight. Oh, an eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this episode, e- even though nothing like big happened, it's still better than almost everything that was happening on that other show that we just finished talking about. <laughs> oh dang! <laughs> I mean, it, it 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 is really. I mean, because our characters are are doing consistent things, they're behaving like real characters, like they're not taking the time out to talk about their feelings every couple of minutes. Not that there's anything wrong with talking about feelings, right? But we've got a, we've got a, no, there's nothing wrong with talking about your feelings, <laughs> but we've got a mission to accomplish, right? True. And sometimes you have to put your feelings aside mm-hmm. to accomplish your mission. As Rafi said, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's not, it's not great. Uh, it has a 7.3 on IMDb, which feels about right. I mean, I'm, I think I think that feels about right. A 7.3, a 7.4. Okay. So so what are you, what are you giving it then? 7.3. Okay, 7.3 it is. Okay. So I I mean I I like the I like this episode. Okay. Um, do I like it as much as the last two episodes? No, I don't. Um, I think I think one of the problems that I had with um, like some of the earlier, like some of the earlier um, Star Trek shows, was um, like the times when it felt like it was slow and like we weren't really going anywhere, and. Like we were just like so hyper focused on character development, and I've since evolved from those earlier opinions. But you you gotta have, I mean, you you gotta have like those slower moments, right? Where you're still moving towards something, even if it's of a different pace. And these folks are are fish out of water, right? We're, we're 400 years removed from the world in which they they reside. So everything's different. Expectations are different. Rules are different. And I mean, I don't I don't mind it, but it's not great. Um, it's not horrible. Like I'm not going to completely flame this and give it like a three, four, or five by any means, like I would a different show. Um, I'm kind of with Eric on this. Um, I I really like the Rios storyline. Um, in fact, I think I like I think of the 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 storylines I like the 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 away team storyline the most, right? Like the stuff with like Seven and and Rafi as well as Rios and the Doctor. Um, so I think I'm gonna camp out like in the general area of of Eric, and I'm probably gonna give this like I don't know uh, seven 
Eight. Why not? I'll give it a seven, eight. So, um, anyway, um, as I said at the beginning of this show, um, Lieutenant Commander David wasn't able to join us to uh, to talk about um, the the episode for for you know for this this recap this discussion, but um, we do have a. Um, um, uh, a transmission coming in from him uh, for him to share some of his ideas about the, the episode as well as um, his rating. So uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. Lieutenant Commander's Log. Captain once again sent me out on one of these missions and one of these busted shuttles. And uh, yeah, as implied, it's busted. So I'm stuck. I'm stuck out here floating in space, you know, put out a homing beacon, you know, maybe communications have gone through. I don't know. The, the, chief, the chief on this station really needs to, just needs to just do some maintenance. I'm going to find that guy. We're going we're gonna to have a talk when I get back. But I guess in the meantime, floating out in space, waiting for the oxygen to run out, eh, why don't I just record a quick uh, Picard episode what three assimilation reaction for for the captain so you know if i if i bite the dust out here that the captain can continue the show it'll it'll be it'll be good my nails and my hair will continue to grow but he'll have an episode to listen to or a recording so here we go all right um I think from a very preliminary standpoint, I was not the biggest fan of this episode. It didn't feel, uh, it definitely didn't feel as good as the first two. It was fine. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. You know, I I think, um, I think one of the things that, you know, kind of, There are several things that kind of rub me in a weird way. I think, uh, oh boy, Rafi. I think Rafi, her her whole thing was was a bit strange. You know, I I felt like a lot of her reactions were very reminiscent of very reminiscent of uh season one Rafi you know it it, it just I mean her dealing with Picard was weird um there was a part in there where she she basically uh, uh, what would be the proper terminology like accused Picard of almost being in league I suppose with um, with Q, like this is what you do, you spar, you know. And I, I think if Picard could poof Q away forever, he would. But at the same token, I do think that he he enjoys the mental sort of challenge of it a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know her her attitude in here. It did kind of rub me in a weird way, not in a bad way, but just in a weird way because I really want to like Rafi, but. Sometimes I don't. Um, Death of Elnor, I thought was strange. 
I guess I guess that's kind of one way to get around the whole, you know, <laughs> ears. <laughs> you know? I mean, we put Spock in a beanie in in the original series, and then and then give gave him a little, you know, bandana or, or you know, Karate Kid sort of thing in uh, in Voyage Home, you know, to hide the ears. But um, I thought that was a weird choice, I, I guess, to, to kind of, in quotations, kill him off. I assume we'll see him again at some point. That would make sense to me if we did. Um, but Rafi took it really hard. And, and, and again, I think we've talked in, in some of these series about like people supposed to be trained Starfleet officers. And, and Rafi really does crumble here, like completely crumble. Um, under pressure and Seven kind of has to step in um, to give any treatment to Elnor and upon sort of their, their crash landing after we we, kind of, we did get that sort of voyage home uh, slingshot around the sun thing overall I just I can't say I hated the episode I, I also can't say that I particularly liked it either it was um, man I mean it was just a show <laughs> it was, it was just, uh, it was a, yeah, it was a show. And I think, um, unfortunately I was perhaps a, a little bit, little bit distracted maybe, um, by, I don't know. It just, I was just sort of distracted by just things around me when I was watching it. I know. You know, Eric and has talked about this too. Chase has talked about it uh, too. Where, you know, we we sometimes we just can't get into an episode. I couldn't quite get into this uh, as much as I as I would have liked. Um, definitely taking a lot from like you know, sort of Voyage Home, but not as good as Voyage Home. I'm not a big fan of Angry Rafi, although I can understand it. It is what it is. The Borg assimilation thing was weird. This slow assimilation with Gerardi, I didn't really understand that. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of heavy handedness, I, I think, in this. And, and for those who who particularly you know don't want to hear about political issues. It sure as heck isn't going to be the show for you. And there was one other part when um, when we had kind of blown up one of the, what was it, Confederate ships or something like that. And there was like a voiceover of Picard. And this is really nitpicky, but it just felt strange. You know, it just felt off because they didn't show, you know, they didn't show them. They were just, you know, flying away. It just seemed like a, a an obvious booth thing, but just not as well done. And I got to say this too. Some of the graphics for the slingshot I didn't feel were very good either. You know, I, I, I kind of uh, I kind of blasted off a little bit on on uh, some of uh, Discovery and, and like you've blown your budget type of deal. But like the first two episodes of the series were so I mean, like so well put together, cinematic, everything looked great. And then you get into space here, and it just, I don't know, some of the effects looked a little bit mad to me. But, you know, again, I'm not, it's, it's, it's a small nitpick. It doesn't really factor into anything. Um, but, yeah, the episode was, was mad. Oh, the, and the Queen, I, I don't remember if I specifically talked about the whole 
almost transference from like Queen and Jurati, Jurati to Queen. I, I didn't really, I didn't really get when she got sassy. I was, I was a little taken aback by that too. But uh, regardless, so if I had to give the episode a rating, um, it was, uh, it, it, it was fine. It wasn't great, but it was okay. And I think that the one edge that Picard has over Discovery is that I actually kind of care about the characters in Picard. Although I'm, I'm so disappointed in the way they're doing Picard here, almost like he just can't make a decision. So I'm not, I'm not outwardly impressed by Picard so far. I kind of hope he, he, he does a little more, you know, well, let me, let me backtrack. I guess, I, yeah, I'm not, there just hasn't been much for him to do. And now that there is, it's just, it's like, eh, it's a little meh. So I, I, I don't know that they necessarily thought this, this episode through as much. So I would say that from a rating standpoint, I would give it, I think that the, the automatic score that pops into my head is like a 6.8. It might be one that I could rewatch later and potentially give a little bit higher score to, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably punt this down to a six point eight. I wasn't overly impressed by it, but you know it was no. You know what? I'm gonna go back on that. I'm gonna give it a straight up seven because I, I I was able to watch it. I guess I could say that I could watch it again. So it's not like failing, but it's just. It's not near as good as the other one. So a straight seven is 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 what I'll give the episode. So Alright, well oxygen is uh you know I gotta I gotta preserve that. It's gonna get cold in here, so hopefully hopefully the captain sends around uh you know maybe the ship, maybe maybe another shuttle, maybe the chief, you know, I don't know. Maybe Lieutenant Commander Eric is, is he can fly by or something like that. Uh maybe he's out and about, you know, just just having fun, you know, with a shuttle that's not all broken. Uh, but anyway, hopefully they find me before. But if not, you know, they'll have a nice recording in, in season season two, episode three of Star Trek Picard. So this is Lieutenant Commander David signing off. All right. So uh, with that, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I um, I was a bad captain. I wasn't able to pull the people of the Twitter, so I'm sorry, Eric, that I've I've failed you. I've oh, let man, you down. You, you should have told me that at the beginning. I was looking forward to it. I know, Eric. I know, but I, I do already have a poll uh, cooking for uh, for the next episode. So um, hopefully, it will redeem me some um, that Eric will get excited about, which may involve boy bands. By the way. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing him perk up saying boy bands Ooh. <laughs> I know it's like I, I don't know there was something pure and innocent about the late 90s boy band wars it really was it really was so alright Eric well let's let's call it a day let's let's get the heck out of here man alright alright so um, everyone thank you so much for, for tuning in for listening and checking this out um, I hope that um, you enjoyed enjoyed our discussion um our recap of the this uh third episode of season two of star trek picard uh we would love to hear from you and uh, your experience with this with this uh particular episode uh, how would you rate this like did you give it maybe something 
higher than a seven. Maybe it was lower than a seven. Maybe you're in the same you know ballpark as um, Eric and I. Uh, we would love we would love to hear what you have to say. Uh, make sure that you check us out trtvpod.com. Uh, find ways to support us. Learn more about us there. Um, of course, you can support us financially by going to patreon.com slash these are the voyages you can also um, support the show by you know telling a friend about the show like tell a friend or multiple friends tell 13,000 friends I don't really care Um, but we are growing uh, in listeners day by day week by week and I just absolutely love it that people are enjoying the stuff that we're putting out so thank you thank you thank you make sure you interact with us on all the things Facebook Instagram and Twitter all at trtvpod I remember if you do want to, um, you know, send us a note or something, you can do that. Open up hailing frequencies and enter in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also um, send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before the nightmare fuel of the Borg Queen crawling at you happens. So uh, be quick about it. Uh, finally, if you do want to mail us something, you know, like peanut butter cookies, that's cool. I, I love peanut butter butter cookies by the way they're delicious uh lone star station p.o box 2455 azel texas 76098 everyone thank you so much for tuning in and as always remember to boldly go and make it so